up where we left off last week, and just to kind of get you guys up to speed, last week Pastor Tim started our new series called Rooted Rhythms. Last week he talked about living a life that is a living testimony. Today we're going to dive into two big things that help us do that. And as we open up today's service, I'm going to ask you guys to grab your Bible and open it up with me to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be diving into verses 36 to 46 as we kick off today. Now, as you open up, and if you don't have a Bible, by the way, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you underneath. Uh, As we open up today, just to give you some context, this is right before Jesus is about to be beaten, is about to be mocked, and is about to be crucified. I want you to see what he does in his moment of great, great need. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Behold, the word of the true and living God. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Other accounts of this same story, Jesus says, Not my will, but your will be done. Then he turns around and goes right back to the disciples, and he finds them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and he prayed, my father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. There it is again. And he came again and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for a third time saying the same words, thy will be done. Now, these are words that we have heard. These are words that Jesus says over and over again in Scripture. If we go back to the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that we have heard and said countless times, thy kingdom come, you guys remember, right? Thy will be done, absolutely. And when we go into prayer, we should be in a position of submission to God's will. We say that again, right? Prayer is a position of submission to the will of God. I I love what Pastor John MacArthur says about those words, thy will be done. When we pray thy will be done, we are praying that first of all, God's will becomes our will. Second, we pray that his will prevail over earth just as it does in heaven. Today, we are going to be diving into the next part of our Rooted Rhythm series, and it's two things that are vital and important in our walk, and it helps us live a living testimony for God. It is prayer and devotion. But those two words on their own, it doesn't really help us understand what it is that we have to do in them. So I'm going to rephrase it for you guys, for me, just because it makes it more practical. This is about knowing God... And depending on God. This is about knowing God and depending on God. So as we open up today, I want to ask you guys a question. Where is your prayer life right now? 
As a matter of fact, let me, let me take that a step further. What do you pray for? It is often said that our prayers, if we truly analyze them, we are praying for the things that we want more than God. We are just using God to give it to us. If we are not praying for the will of God, that's exactly what we are doing. And what's wild, too, is when we talk about knowing God and knowing his word and knowing what it says, we don't even realize that there's ways that we can have our prayers hindered so that they're not even answered by God. Check out what it says in Psalm 66, verses 17 and 18. I cried to him, I cried to God with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished my iniquities in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I would have cherished my iniquities in my heart, if I would have cherished my sin more than I cherish God, he hides his face. Furthermore, you pray and you pray with the wrong motives. That's another hindrance to prayer. James chapter 4 says this. You ask and you do not receive. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So for all of you people a few weeks ago who were like praying for that billion dollar lotto ticket to come in, I'm sorry, but scripture told you the answer to that prayer way before, right? But a lot of us don't know this though. Seriously, a lot of us hear this and you're like, man, I had no idea. But that's because in reality, we don't take the time to actually know what scripture says, what God has to say about godly living. And a lot of times when we dive into God's word, we don't rest in it and meditate on it and think through it and apply it to our lives. And what ends up happening is we have this distorted view of who God is and what he's going to do for us. A lot of times we go to work in the mornings and we break our backs at a job that's going to replace us five minutes after we leave. We work and we work and we work to keep up with bills. And then we come home and we turn on the TV and we pop open Netflix or Hulu or ESPN or whatever app is cool at the moment. And then after watching a little bit of TV, we flip open our phones. That's a dated reference. Sorry, we don't have flip phones anymore. But we turn on our phones and we open up Facebook and we open up Instagram and we scroll through TikTok. And we're there for countless hours, wasting time until it's time to get ready for the next day. On top of that, we end up running our kids from after-school activity to after-school activity. Whether it's tournaments and practices and games or band recitals and rehearsals, you name it. But by the end of the day, we get to a point where we have zero time for God. And we can sit down with our friends and our family and we can talk about Cobra Kai all day long. And Stranger Things, man, if I hear that Metallica song one more time, <laughs> right? We could talk about the 17th string cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys that didn't make a play in a preseason game and he's not even going to make the team, but we know where he went to school, how tall he is, and how fast he ran that 40. <laughs> But when it comes to talking about what we find 
in the pages of Scripture, we go silent because we don't take the time to know God. And then conversely, our prayers that we're praying to him are found lacking, and we wonder why. So as we dive in to this area called devotion, as we talk about what it looks like to know God, I want to start by showing you what this should look like. If you have your Bibles, flip over to 1 Kings. This is Solomon right after bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. This is him blessing and praying over the temple and then giving a benediction to the people of Israel. Check out what he says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 56 to 61. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of his good promise which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, his rules, which he has commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel each day as it requires. Now, this is God and how awesome he's been. He's fulfilled every promise. He's done everything. He's sustained his people. And he's gotten them to the point where he's saying, let's go. This is what you have to do. And he's saying this. He's saying, do this. Let all the people of the earth know the Lord is God, that there is no other. And then verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly devoted. Wholly devoted to the Lord our God. Walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. Our relationship with God centers on how well we know him. We need to know his word. We need to know his truth. We need to know his commandments. We need to rest in them. And we need to meditate on them. And what's awesome here is he's even showing you how awesome God has been. Especially to his people Israel. And, and I'm going to say it. We don't spend enough time in the word. And I know that there's some of you in here that are like, yo, Joey, hold up. I read my Bible app this morning, bro. I'm good. Right? But if we think about how we read the Bible today, a lot of us don't realize that we don't read it to internalize it. We read it to check off a box on our to-do list. Let me put it to you this way. I've had a lot of conversations with students, with adults, with all kinds of people. But I read my Bible, Joey. Awesome. When do you read it? Well, like, in the morning when I'm getting ready, I put the Bible app on. So what'd you learn? Yeah. But I read it. Okay. Or another example. Man, I put the Bible app on in the car as I'm driving around. I'm listening to it. I, I, I'm in the Word. Pastor Joey, I'm good. Okay. Well, what'd you learn? What, you see, there was this car that cut me off and... I don't know. See, if we're not meditating on God's word, if we're not studying God's word to internalize it, then we miss the point. See, it's not a to-do list checkoff item. And I'm going to be real with you guys. The Bible app, the way that it's structured, it turns it into a checkoff list. 
Did you get those three verses done? Are you 14 days behind? What is it? Where are you at? And so as we read scripture, we have to remember that it is our job as believers to meditate on this so that we can come to know the one true living God. We have to do that. Thomas Watson, a Puritan theologian from the 17th century, wrote this in his book, Heaven Taken by Storm. Meditation is a holy exercise of the mind, whereby we bring the truths of God to remembrance. And we do seriously ponder upon them and apply them to ourselves. As I got ready for this week, as I was prepping for this sermon, I had a conversation with another pastor here on staff. And we were talking about this idea of meditation, and he was like, man, Joe, why they call me Joe, I have no idea. But Joe, I've been, I, I, meditation is such an important part, because it's in those moments of meditation where I'm bringing back God's word to remembrance that I am truly confronted with the sin in my life, and my truest, most earnest repentance happens then. It happens when we hear scripture, just like you are today. It happens when we study and read scripture, when we memorize scripture, and when we meditate on it so that we grow in reverence for God. We grow closer to him because of who he is and what he has done. It feeds our souls I love the picture we see painted in Psalms. Psalm 63, verses 5 through 8 say this. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. That feeling after you've had way too much carne asada, that's how your soul feels when you meditate and rest in God's word. Satisfied. Filled. When I remember you upon my bed, there it is again, bringing God's word into remembrance, and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. This is devotion to God. This is dependence on God. This is being satisfied in only him. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16 say this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. God's word keeps us pure. It keeps us from sin. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let your heart wholly be devoted to God. We saw Solomon say that earlier. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored your word up in my heart. That's memorizing and remembering the word that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the ways of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. The psalmist here is saying, I don't want the world. I want you. The psalmist here is saying, I want nothing to do with earth and its riches. I want everything to do with you, God, because that's the only place I can find satisfaction. That's the only place my soul is fulfilled. 
Dwelling on his word, simply put, draws us closer and closer to him. We rely on God in a way that we have never done before. And because of that, we rest in him and we have peace. Psalm 119, verse 14, is a verse I want to park on and go back to. I really want to park on this because I want you guys to look at the heart behind this devotion. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as all riches. Is that where your heart is with God's word, church? I'm going to tell you, as a whole, probably not. Some of us in here are like, man, that's pretty deep stuff. But we are called to delight in God by resting in him and meditating on his word and meditating on his truth to the point where the riches of this world don't matter. We saw it in James 4 earlier when we talked about hindrances to our prayers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you side on team world, homie, I've got bad news for you. It's not going to end well. But God, if you are a friend of God because you want him more than the world, you will be taken care of. And the way that you get there is through devotion to him, by reading his word, learning his word, meditating on his word, so that you can rely and depend on one true God, the one true God. And if our heart is devoted to, to God and we don't want the things of this world because his word matters the most to us, then as parents, we need to pass that on to the people that mean the most to us. See, devotion looks different in a whole bunch of different families. The time that you carve out to spend with God is not only something that should be a priority, but it's not going to be the same across the church. See, for us, right, when, when, when we think about this, I go back to Proverbs, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. As a church, we got to do that too. We don't only have to grow in devotion for us, but in devotion, in their devotion, they have to, to learn and grow that too. And, and as the high school pastor and as the middle school pastor, we've been walking through a series that's called Hot Seat, Questions Christians Must Answer. And like, I'm not dropping these huge theological questions on these kids. These are questions like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Can you really trust your Bible? These are questions that they encounter in the world. And I'm not saying every kid, but there's a lot of kids in there that are like, I have no idea. We need to pass these truths on because they are bedrock to our faith and they are bedrock to the faith of our children. And so I am going to use a word right now that some of you guys may think is a dirty word. But this is what devotion looks like in our house. And because of other customs and cultures and traditions and religions, this word in the Christian world has kind of become a dirty word, but this word is catechism. Now, Catechism for us is a daily reading of a question and a truth. And it's been something that we've done with my nine-year-old. And I'll be honest, man, there's some stuff that I needed to internalize from that stuff too. Bodhi Bakum, a pastor uh, who was in Africa very recently uh, serving over there, says this about catechism. Catechism is about giving our children theological building blocks so that they can grow and develop in their understanding. It lays a foundation so that as they become able to handle these truths, they've already begun to internalize it and memorize it. 
And man, in one of my deepest, darkest moments, man, in one of my moments of need, I got to see the fruit of this. About four weeks ago, my dad passed away. My son happened to be in San Antonio with my mom. And so we, we told my mom and we asked her to bring our son home. And I'm going to be real honest with you guys. The last few years have been rough. And one of the things I didn't want to do was tell him again that someone he loved had passed away. But I'm going to tell you his response blew me away. See, during this season, we started reading and answering these questions. That's when we turned to this. And in that moment where I had to break the news that his grandfather had passed away, the thing that brought him comfort was question one of the New City Catechism. What is my one comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And he loves sports. So our car looks like a mobile academy, right? In the back, we've got baseball gloves and basketballs and footballs. And so we took them outside and we were playing catch. I, I know that that helps him process. And I heard him say then, he goes, Dad, you're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Ito is going to be okay. Because he's with Jesus. It's these truths that have become internalized through our devotion time that let him rest upon them so that he could have comfort and peace because he delights in who God is and what he's done. It was amazing. But we're called to delight in God. Delight in his word and his truth and who he is and what he's done. And when we delight on God, in God, we can entirely depend on God. That's my sermon point for you today, church. If we delight in God, we may eternally and entirely depend on God. We saw this at the beginning of church today, too. When we read through Jesus in the garden, in his moment of distress, in his moment of worry, what did he do? He got on his knees and his face and he prayed. And he submitted himself to the will of God because he knew God. He had a deep personal relationship with the Father in heaven. And I hate to break it to you, church, but if we look at that story and we're trying to find someone who resembles us, we're the apostles that are fast asleep because we're too tired. Because we don't know God the way Jesus knows God because we don't devote ourselves to him, because we don't meditate on his word and his truth, and we don't fix our eyes on his precepts. As we wrap today's service, I want to point you guys to 1 Thessalonians 5. See, it's here that we get to see what we're called to do. Remember, if we devote ourselves to God and delight in God, we can depend on God, right? Right? Rejoice always. Why? Because we delight in God and depend on God. And no matter what comes our way, we know that God is good and we know that he is faithful. We know that he will uphold his promises. Pray without ceasing. Timothy Keller, another pastor, says that prayer is an ongoing conversation with God, initiated in his word and continued 
by his grace. Pray without ceasing, church. Connect with God. Depend on God. Why? Because you delight in him. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, it's God's will that we depend on him. It's God's will that we delight in him. We see that with Jesus in Jesus' life. Time and time again, that's what he did. And if we do that, naturally out of our devotion to God comes that dependence. And out of that dependence comes our prayer life. Where we want nothing more than to put ourselves in a position of submission to the will of God. Because we know who he is and we delight entirely. Father, we come before you once again to thank you for how good and great and marvelous you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the picture, picture of submission that Jesus shows us by humbling himself to the point of, of, of a servant, Lord, a servant that, that took his life and lived it out for you. I think of the words of Romans where we present ourselves, our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. And the only way that we can do that is by entirely depending on you. And so my prayer, Lord, is that as we go forward from here and as we go and live a life that's a living testimony to you, we do it by devoting our hearts and our minds to you. We do it by depending on you and relying on you no matter what, because that's what your son Jesus did. Help us to live like Jesus as we honor you and glorify you and serve you, Lord. We love you, we worship you and praise you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you, church.